0: This episode, I'm chatting to Dr. Derek Tran. Dr. Tran is a lecturer at the University of the Sydney School of Medicine and a senior exercise physiologist at the Department of Cardiology, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, otherwise known as the RPA. Derek is also the co-coordinator of the world's largest and most inclusive CHD exercise clinical trials called CHFIT, striving to optimise exercise prescription and the delivery for those with CHD.
1: We learn as we go as well, and I think we're really learning that once people get in there and they feel safe and they have a bit of guidance on what they can do, they really start to enjoy it and have that capacity to become a little bit more independent, which is our goal, because our goal at the end of the day is to teach you how to exercise for life.
0: Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording on the traditional country of the Kaurna people of the Adelaide Plains. We pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging. We pass that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners. Welcome, Dr Tran, or may I call you Derek?
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much for having
0: me. So, Derek, many people have obviously heard about physiotherapists, occupational therapists, and a whole raft of other allied health, but can you explain to the audience what exactly is an exercise physiologist or an EP? Yeah,
1: So exercise physiology is actually quite a new allied health profession, I guess, in the context of all the other allied health professionals that you mentioned. But essentially, an exercise physiologist is a university-trained allied health professional who are equipped with the knowledge and skills to design and deliver and evaluate safe and effective exercise interventions for people with chronic disease such as congenital heart disease. But in essence, we essentially provide specialized excise services for people with chronic disease and we have the capacity to individualize and tailor it for um, a variety of lesions and conditions.
0: Okay. So, as you said, it's a fairly new profession. If we could put a bit of a time around that, what do you mean by new?
1: Probably the first time that the profession or I guess the name of it came was around 2005 in Australia. And in, in many other countries, the term clinical exercise physiologist is still very, very new and hasn't actually been embedded into all the health services yet.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. It's always good to understand we've talked on this podcast even around genetics and so forth and learning that that as a profession has only been around sort of, well, I suppose as a full fraternity, about 25 years. So great to understand the birth being 2005. So what is the goal of an EP?
1: So the goal of AP for us is to try and improve the health of people living with chronic health conditions and really work with them to deliver an exercise program or a physical activity program to meet the goals of the people we're working with as well. So when someone with a chronic health condition comes and sees us, we work with them together. This, I guess, appropriate goals, but I guess the ultimate goal is to try and improve your health.
0: Overall improvement of health. Okay. So Derek, then can you help me understand the difference between a physiotherapist or going to see a personal trainer in the gym? So tell me how that all then fits in because I suppose there'll be people listening thinking, but hang on a minute, if this is an exercise goal, can't I just do this with my PT or doesn't a physio play that role? Yeah.
1: So there is a lot of crossover between physios and exercise physiologists and Lots of people do get confused and we do understand why. But I guess to start with personal trainers first that you might see in a gym. So they're typically only qualified to deliver exercise services to apparently healthy people. So people without any chronic health conditions who just want to go into the gym and start doing some exercise, they're a good starting point and a good professional from that standpoint of things. But they're just not quite trained or have the education and the hours of training with chronic diseases that allied health professionals have. And that's where exercise physiologists and physiotherapists come into play. So there are a lot of similarities between physios and exercise physiologists, but typically exercise physiologists will treat more chronic health conditions such as diabetes or congenital heart disease or people who've been living with a condition for a while. While physios, I guess generically would look more after acute injuries, especially in the community where you might have a hamstring injury and they'll look after a lot of that. And physios will do a little bit more diagnosis of so musculoskeletal injuries and they provide a bit of hands-on therapy, but they do also do quite similarly to us. They can also look and treat people with chronic diseases.
0: Okay, that's great. That was really thorough and I can really paint that picture now in the respect that if I have an acute Injury, I'd more than likely be seeing my physiotherapist. If I wanted to increase the size of my biceps, I'd probably go and see a PT. But if I'm living with chronic health, like you said, I think you said quite well about if I've had that chronic health condition, you're the best person to help me achieve getting back to a healthy, optimal, whatever it be, whether it be weight or activity. So, How then, if we apply this to the adult CHD world, would everyone then benefit who has CHD from seeing an EP?
1: So I might be a bit biased, but I think almost everyone will gain some sort of benefit from seeing an exercise physiologist. Even if you're already incredibly active, may learn some new way of exercising or or how to continue to optimize the benefits of your health or maybe different approaches to exercise that you may not have thought of. But I guess the people who typically gain the most out of an exercise physiologist are people who actually require a bit more guidance on how to perform exercise effectively and safely. And people who want to become fitter and achieve a goal but don't quite know where to start, especially since the message of exercise has changed quite a bit. From what we know 20 or 30 years ago, where we're really advising people to refrain from exercise, to now going, exercise is really great for us. And it's that period of time where we need to, I guess, help guide people on how to safely perform exercise.
0: Sure. So it's about bringing back that level of awareness about movement. So, is there particular yeah. types, Derek? Of CHD that are more that it's going to be more beneficial for because obviously as you know in the CHD world there's so many vast different types of CHD I'm assuming there's some that you'd probably be mindful of the treatment of and some you'd probably have more of an aggressive approach so can you talk me through the different types of CHD patients that you see yeah
1: so the spectrum as you mentioned of congenital heart disease goes from simple to severe lesions and. I guess generically, those with more moderate to severe or complexity of congenital heart disease may require a bit more guidance from us as exercise professionals because people do tend to have a few more considerations when they take into account. Like they may be on more medications or they have a pacemaker. In that context, an exercise physiologist is quite helpful there because we can evaluate what's kind of a normal response in that context to actually prescribe exercise for people and there's specific types of exercise for people with more complex disease like the fontan circulation where they truly do benefit from more specific and targeted approaches compared to someone with more simple lesion but i guess overall the spectrum there would be a benefit of exercise for everyone
0: Yeah. And I think it's great that you've helped us understand just by answering the questions of the difference or the goals around exercise physiology and how that's tailored to that particular individual and their condition. Because I think what you're saying too is you're prescribing it specifically for not only them as an individual, but also to their condition. So How do you know? How do you know you need an EP? If I was sitting here now and I saw you and said, you know, Derek, I have a pacemaker in or I've got an artificial valve in, but I, how do I know? I guess
1: it's more about what you personally would want out of exercise as well. Like, so I think you'll really know you want, need an EP, I guess, is if you've kind of had a few goes at trying to become more physically active. And, you know, a lot of people who do start to, exercise start off way too hard way too early and it's pointed like that where you start experiencing symptoms and you really hate exercise Maybe the point where you may need an exercise physiologist to provide a bit more guidance on how to progressively increase that intensity so you can actually start to enjoy exercise and engage in it in an effective and safe manner
0: yeah wonderful because sometimes we get an idea in our head and we go a little bit too hard don't we (laughs) Yeah. So Derek, so obviously you sit more so in that adult space, adult sort of cardiac space. So how does exercise physiology differ between kids and adults?
1: Hmm. So exercise physiology for adults tends to be a little bit more structured and we kind of block out times specific for exercise as well as trying to integrate it throughout the day because as many adults do, they have work, they have employment as well, and there's more set structured programs, whereas for kids... There's that structured aspect of it, but we also would like to promote the development of what we call foundational movement skills, like catching, kicking, you know, and a whole range of other physically active skills so they can utilize that in in the future and start to engage in activities independently. So I guess to sum it up, for kids, we want to develop a broad range of skills so they can continue to be physically active over time. Whereas For adults, we want to do quite a similar thing, but just in a more structured format with the goal of improving fitness, strength, and overall health.
0: Okay. So taking that into account, obviously, like you said, you're building those foundational skills back up in an adult or revisiting probably some of those foundation skills that maybe there's a child, but now because of CHD or other sort of heart issues that have come about. So then what does a typical day look like for you? Because we're all different, aren't we? Like you just said, I could be working. So does that mean that I come to you, you set me a program? or So talk me through a typical day for you, Derek.
1: So I guess a typical day for me would involve anything from, I guess, conducting something like a cardiopulmonary exercise test to conducting an initial consult with someone where we go through a detailed history of, your congenital heart disease lesion. We obtain your medication information, all of that to, like you said correctly, we then prescribe a program or work the, in the fitness facility instructing people how to perform exercise safely. So it does range quite a bit day-to-day for me, <laughs> but it really does depend on what the type of exercise physiologist you are, whether you're in a clinic or whether I guess you're more provide consultations per se.
0: Okay, okay. So it's quite obviously varied for you because obviously we know that you're a lecturer at at uni. (laughs) So you're either teaching it or you're consulting or you're, like you said, you're conducting tests. So going through, I suppose if we step back a bit, so I've now decided that, you know, I'm gaining weight or I'm not just feeling like I've got the energy that I should now to play with my kids or get through the day. And I go, right, it's time to see an exercise physiologist, How do I go about seeing you? Do I need to go to a GP and get a referral? Does my cardiologist do it? Or can I just give you a call?
1: I think your first point of contact will be your cardiologist. And essentially you'll express your interest to start performing exercise and seeing an exercise physiologist. And what they will very likely do if they think it's necessary is perform a whole range of tests to ensure that you are medically cleared to go start participating exercise. And that becomes really, really useful so you don't just turn up to an exercise physiologist and then they send you back to the cardiologist for tests anyway. Okay. So you're kind of starting ahead by doing that. And it also gives the exercise physiologist a lot of information so they can actually utilise that information and help understand yourself as an individual a little bit better to make it a bit more individualised.
0: So is that why we see those warnings, Derek, to say, consult your doctor before you begin X, Y and Z?
1: Yeah, to a degree. And it just... Because if you come to us, we will contact your cardiologist and we very likely to obtain that information. So I think your cardiologist is a really good starting point because they'll know so much about your lesion and where it will be a good place to start and I guess where the upper limit of where we can't go as well.
0: Okay, great. So we speak to our cardiologists. We know that you're there. Speak to our cardiologists. They perform tests. So then we arrive to you and then... From there, you're going to deliver and prescribe that best program for reaching our goals.
1: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, I think so.
0: Yeah, great. So, Derek, now that I've gone through the process and what activities are you going to prescribe me? What am I actually going to be
1: doing? <laughs> it will really depend on the type of – well, it will really depend on what you personally would want. Would you want to come see us – and we prescribe your program that you can fit around your daily life where we go, all right, let's make walking an exercise that you can incorporate. Because we know people are busy. Not everyone wants to go to the gym. Mm. The people like being outdoors. So it really will depend on what you like. Generally, we will incorporate both aerobic and resistance exercise into it because there's benefits of performing both types of exercise. And that will range from anywhere being on a treadmill or just walking, doing stairs, to weight training as well, or even body weight resistance exercises. So we'll range quite a bit, but we will work with the person to prescribe something who you would hopefully like.
0: Yeah, wow. So you you clearly have to have quite a broad knowledge. And like you've touched on earlier, you guys are clinically trained. You studied for how long?
1: So the minimum is four years to be an exercise physiologist plus a minimum of 500 clinical hours of, I guess, student-based training to become an exercise physiologist or postgraduate degree.
0: Yeah, okay. So not only have you got that, you've got that clinical knowledge, so you've, let's just call it, you've got the theory, you've got the clinical theory, then you've got the hands-on experience, and then I'm assuming you then have to, in this case, know the real workings ins and out of the heart, because like you said, you're prescribing to someone what you're going to prescribe to someone who might just be recovering from open heart surgery, might be very different to someone like you referred to earlier, Fontan. So then you have to, must have a really vast knowledge of all these different types of exercise because then you've also got to fit in with me and what time I've got in my day. So is there any little tips that you'd even just suggest? Like I know you mentioned even just increasing walking wherever you can.
1: Yeah, I think it's, if you can incorporate it into your day, it makes it a lot easier and it makes it a more feasible thing for a lot of people who can actually engage in that type of exercise activity. And it's about trying to, I guess, prioritize it to a degree where you set a bit aside, a bit of time on it as well.
0: Yeah, great. So Derek, if we can get back to what you were saying earlier, which is about the tests. So before I come and see you, I'm either going to speak to my cardiologist and he's going to perform some tests. So can you tell me about those cardiopulmonary exercise testing and what's involved, what's involved with for adults?
1: Absolutely. That's my favourite test.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Great. Welcome. Welcome to the right podcast.
1: (laughs) So a cardiopulmonary exercise test is essentially a maximal exercise test that many people with congenital heart disease may have experienced. It's quite similar to an exercise stress test when you're on the treadmill and it keeps going up until you can't go anymore. But that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're trying to exercise you until you can't exercise anymore to obtain a lot of useful information for us. In Australia, most of the time you'll do it on a bike where you start to cycle and then the resistance or the workload gets heavier and heavier and heavier and then we ask you to keep going until you can't go anymore and then we try to get another minute out of you until you really can't go anymore.
0: Wow, that sounds awful, Derek.
1: <laughs> some people don't love it, but it provides some really valuable information for us as exercise physiologists and some really valuable information for your cardiologists as well.
0: Okay, so it's, you're really pushing us for that data You're pushing us so you can see what our limit is and am I hooked up? So I'm on that bike. What am I hooked up to?
1: You will have a 12-lead ECG attached to you so we can monitor your heart rate, your heart rhythm throughout the test. And that also serves as kind of a safety screening before you start to exercise in case you do have any arrhythmias that your cardiologist may need to manage before you start engaging exercise. And the other few things you'll be hooked up to is you'll be hooked up to either a mouthpiece or a mask, which will measure essentially your exercise capacity, which is reflected by something called peak oxygen uptake or peak VO2. It's essentially just a number that tells us how fit you are and how much oxygen your body can actually utilise. And then the final thing you'll be hooked up to is likely an oxygen saturation monitor to see if you do desaturate during exercise and some people who may have like, open their with for shots or something like that.
0: Sure, sure. No, I'm definitely following and I'm sure many people listening are following. We're very familiar with ECGs, very familiar with saturation levels and all those sorts of things. So, okay, so you're really, you're that extension of a lot of tests that we're used to having, but instead you're placing us on a bike and putting us under pressure to see our capacity. Yes. So seeing that we're talking about the things you love, how about we move into, tell me more about CH-FIT, which is, as we mentioned earlier, is the world's largest exercise clinical trial program being delivered. That's just fascinating itself, and I'm sure this is where you're going to light up because I'm sure this is why you're in the role that you're in. So tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it's a real big project that, you know, Dr. Cordina myself and Professor Salome and all of us in the congenital heart disease community research and medical space are very excited to, to do. It's, as you mentioned, one of the world's largest trials where we really hope we can offer the chance to people with congenital heart disease, a chance to participate in an exercise program and really provide a bit of guidance to help them improve their overall fitness and health with it.
0: Amazing. So is this, sorry to sort of pry and ask more questions, is this only available to those who are getting provided care by the RPA or is this a whole heap of different hospitals around Australia and the world? Or
1: So it's a multi-site trial because we want to be able to provide people an opportunity to participate wherever they live in Australia. We didn't quite get to every state in Australia, but we were able to do Queensland who will have an adult in a children's hospital where you will conduct testing. New South Wales which is Royal Prince Alfred and the Children's Hospital Westmead. There will be Victoria which is Royal Melbourne Hospital as well as the Royal Children's Hospital down there. And going back to Queensland will be the Prince Charles Hospital as well as the Queensland Children's Hospital. And then in Western Australia our final state will have Fiona Stanley Hospital as well as the Children's Hospital over there. But You don't need to be seen at that hospital to participate. It's just where the testing will actually occur and where, you know, all of those tests like the cardiopulmonary exercise testing will occur.
0: I see, I see. Okay, that sounds really exciting. And obviously Dr. Tran is in Sydney and his face, for those listening, lit up with excitement, which is when he was telling us about the trial. And that's what we love as the Heart Kids community, when people like yourself really dedicate your time and your profession and studies to these clinical trials because overall we usually find out great information and hopefully then create better outcomes. So thank you. So moving on, so what do you see is currently the biggest problem for adults with CHD and managing their own exercise? What are the things that you're learning through this process?
1: I think it's been because we learn as we go as well and I think we're really learning that once people – get in there and they feel safe and they have a bit of guidance on what they can do, they really start to enjoy it and have that capacity to become a little bit more independent, which is our goal, because our goal at the end of the day is to teach you how to exercise for life. We, unfortunately, as researchers, can't look at the results yet until the very end, But just from speaking to people who do participate in the trial, they've really seemed to surprise themselves on what they can actually do in the gym, especially in terms of things like lifting weights, where I guess a lot of people with congenital heart disease appear to be quite afraid of doing weight training in the gym.
0: Yeah. So it's really, so I suppose what I'm hearing there is there's still that education and awareness piece that needs to happen. So if we think about it, when usually we don't do something is because there's either a little bit of fear or there's a lack of confidence. So not having that confidence to know what type of exercise, what that exercise is going to bring. But I really loved how you just said then, you know, the ultimate goal is having that independence with your exercising and, and having that love for exercise for life. So what are some tips or advice for those listening today who are an adult with chd they've already been on a journey and that journey is as you know lifelong for us in the chd community what's the best piece of advice that you can say to them about starting
1: let's do it
0: i think (laughs) think nike's (laughs) got that wrapped up
1: are we we under copyright
0: yeah that's it Uh, just
1: do it i love it i think it's okay not to like some exercises is the best thing. It's all about trial and error. Some things will work for you and not for other people. And it's occasionally okay to just stop because things get too busy. But, you know, we all have those periods of time and we just need to start reprioritizing it. And I think the key thing to continue or to start your exercise journey is try to find something you really would enjoy doing. And that may take a little bit of time. And you know, if you think getting an exercise physiologist for a bit of guidance will help motivate you, that might be a great approach to start with.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, Dr. Derek Tran, it's been really lovely chatting with you. And I think there's so many takeaway points for our listeners around EP or exercise physiology. EP is a profession. What you actually do, how you differ, great to know that exactly that, I pull my hammy, I see my physio, but if I want to achieve overall health and I have a chronic condition, my best bet is to be under the care and guidance of a prescribed exercise program by an EP, an exercise physiologist. The PT is always there and I suppose maybe that's a next stop after I've built my confidence up. And I've got that daily, but I think it's great to hear that you guys are out there. I love the fact that we've got the world's largest clinical trial here in Australia. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Tran, and thank you for your dedication to the CHD community.
1: Thanks so much, Sammy. It was a pleasure.
0: Sometimes this podcast talks about some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or someone you love, it is important to reach out for support. The Heart Kids Helpline provides support and guidance for anyone impacted by CHD you can call the helpline on 1800 432 785. To access more information about CHD, as well as support from HeartKids, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect you or your family's health.